Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Vietnam. Who remembers that movie? Good morning, Vietnam. Who doesn't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Thanks. Yeah. So, it's so good to be with you guys. It's exciting to know that God is always good. He is always ready because he's our source to be with us so we can experience him, experiencing him, 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 ing. English is difficult, eh? <laughs> Ambiguous. When I say something in Greek, that's what it is. You know? My wife always corrects me. That's not the way you say it. Okay. But anyway, it's a good language to communicate. God has given us. They always say that, that, that in, um, in heaven that we're going to speak Afrikaans. Have you heard that something? Did, eh? They always tell me that. Eh? Is, it, is it something that they try to convince themselves or... But anyway, okay, <laughs> well, we're going to get into a new series today. That's, that's one of the words I always mix up, series, series, you know, serial, series. And it's called Law versus Lord. Are you under law? Or his lordship. I mean, that's a good, good topic to enter into. Now, before I enter into that, I just want to give you, just for you guys to understand how we function, how we come up with, because you, you might go to some different churches and you hear different things uh, on the same topics, but it's important to understand how we think, how we process our thinking, you know, how we find what the Word really has to say, and how we put everything together to come up with something that is real in our life, something that is the truth. You know, the Word of God always gives us... Um, different words, and sometimes in the English you see it understanding, but most of the time in the Greek you see the word kardia, or you find the word nous, and, um, and, and most of the time it's translated as understanding. Now, when understanding has to be, and the word is used kardia, which is, has got to do with your heart, obviously, cardiology we get. And uh, it means that there is an understanding which is not one-dimensional. In other words, you read a scripture, and as you read it, you know, it says, for example, that we can, in Ephesians, we can alienate ourselves from the life of God. Okay? Now, when I read that, it's, and I see it as a scripture in and of itself, it's one-dimensional. Because there's another scripture in Romans 8 that says nothing can separate you from that life 
or they'd love, you see? So now there's another scripture which seems to be what we call um, opposites. So that means I have to take both scriptures and go into my heart to be able to understand it. Because that's where I will have the ability to see to what the Bible calls complementary opposites. In other words, a complementary opposite is something where when it's one-dimensional, you just see one scripture in and of itself. But when it's a complementary opposites, you see two different scriptures which seem, notice I use the word seem, it seem opposite, but when you go into your heart, it brings it together, those two scriptures, or maybe three or four scriptures, and suddenly you have what we call an understanding. Because the Bible has been written from the perspective of the unseen, not with your five senses, thank you, not anything that you can have with your five senses or experience with your five senses. So that means if, if I have to make something real, if I have to have the full spectrum of, of the counsel of God inside of me, then I need to go into my heart and be, to be able to put those two together. You, you will never, ever be able um, to comprehend the way the Bible talks about understanding from the heart when you just read it. Even if you look up all the words, we ha need to have what we call a multidimensional from all aspects. Okay, wh what is a multidimensional? I, I I'm, I'm just throwing words here, but you, you'll get to where I want to go with this. And now you students on a Wednesday, so you'll understand this, okay? You're students now. <laughs> okay, so, so once now, for something to be multidimensional, in my heart, I've got to see it coming from God, from his heart. Then I need to see it being experienced by one person called Jesus. Remember, when Jesus, how did Jesus, for example, suddenly go up and was healing people and doing miracles? I mean, what how did he know what the will of God was? I mean, he wasn't raised from the dead yet. How did he know? There was no resurrection to tell us, oh, okay, you've taken all the curses and you've given us all the blessings. So, yeah, now, now we know what to do. No, 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 there wasn't. But he did have something. He had the names of God. He knew from the names of God what the will of God was here. So we've got... When you take a scripture and you read it and you go into your heart, how does it start from the heart of God who is the source of everything and he's the only truth? It's revealed in Jesus. Then it goes into my personal heart, not just my understanding, but it never stops there. I've got to see it flowing out of me and affecting someone else. That's when it becomes a scripture multidimensional. 
And I need to see it in my heart. My grand is, is, has died a long time ago. If it's her, tell her, no problem. <laughs> we'll see you later. So, by doing that, notice, even truth is that way. Truth is exactly works that way. You know, let's say Ethan and Shana are fighting. That's my kids. So, I just happen to walk in when Shana is, is, hitting, um, is hitting Ethan. Suddenly, I say, well, Shana, it's your fault. Therefore, you need to be punished by this, by this action. No, you just saw what happened at that specific moment. That is not truth. That is a part of truth. You don't know what Ethan did in the past to be able to provoke that. So you don't have the truth. You have a partial truth that you walk into. And that's how sometimes we look at the word. We go to the word and we look at it only as one dimension on what is happening at that moment. But where did it all start? It all started with God. That's where the truth has started. How that truth is applied in different people and how different people express it at that moment, it's a totally different scenario. That is not truth. And that's what we see in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and we go read passages like this, and we don't understand this is how people took truth. And they processed it. And as people process the truth and try to live it out, we look at those people's lives and we say, well, this is what God said. No, God didn't say that. This is how it played out by this person who processed it through his background, through his beliefs or her beliefs or whatever the case may be. So truth is also multidimensional because it has a beginning it has a present to what I see now, now, and it's got a future. What is the future? The expression of that truth. So we got understanding. To be able to understand something, you can never understand it, never, until you take it into your heart. And you allow, as you bring all those scriptures together, you allow the Holy Spirit, that's where you're going to experience that. Nobody can do that for you. No matter how much we get up here and we teach you, you will never grasp it until you go for yourself and experience it and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying as you put those scriptures together because you're putting the Word. And who is the Word? Jesus is the Word. And He says, I came specifically to do one thing in John 17, to manifest, express, give full view of the Father. And that's your mission. That's my mission, by the way. To be able to give full expression of the Father through Jesus. So you got truth, you got love, you got all of these aspects that come together 
And they are able to bring the real reality of who God is. Because that's how it's been always designed. It's always been designed that way. So we've got, I need to get the understanding. Please understand. Please. There is no change, and I'm, I'm just using that word loosely, or transformation in the new covenant apart from putting off in your heart, renewing your mind, and putting on. Forget it. It doesn't exist. Any information that you hear, unless you take it to your heart to be able to put off the old way of thinking, your old opinions, the way you process information. You can't take the Word of God and process it with your old patterns. It just doesn't work. So I need to understand that in this new covenant that you and I are living we have to become responsible to be able to take the Word of God, His counsel, the identity that we have in Christ. And remember, and we're going to get into lordship now. When I say identity, it's not just, you see, again, it's one-dimensional. It's a state of being righteous. Lekker. We're feeling good. No. Again, Righteousness starts from the heart of God because He is that fullness, that completeness. And it enters into Jesus, and Jesus not only has a state of being, which is important for me to enter into, and it's, again, one aspect only, but it's important to take that that I'm experiencing of Jesus and follow how He modeled it. Because even the way he lived is righteousness. So am I modeling myself every day in the way that he thought with Jesus? Because that's what I live for. See, that's my light. Everything else is darkness. And it's so interesting that the word darkness in the Greek is not totally that you can't see. It means it has different shades of, of obscurity. That's what it is. Different shades of obscurity. The only light that the book of 1 John gives us is the light of the redeeming work of Christ. Then when, when we say, let's walk in the light, we're not talking about a torch that I'm carrying around, you know, we, we get those type of pictures. No, it's Him. He is the light. His work is the light. So I need to get into my heart, and I need to understand that unless I experience His light as part of my light, that's what, that's what David said. He says, I'm so happy because I have your light in my light. 
Hey? So everything, when we're going to look at lordship, when we're going to look at the law, has to start for us to be able to understand how truth is perceived and how it's manifested. Okay? How truth is perceived and how it's manifested. Like I've given you, for example, the paradoxical truth of, yes, I have the life of God, but I'm alienated from the life of God. Romans 8. Yes, nothing can separate me from His love, which is His life. Nothing. So in my heart, if I am not careful, I'm going to put all these things together that are going to be functional, I'm either going to throw it to a box called positional truth, and the other one I'm going to throw it to another box called temporal truth. Which means, positionally, I'm like that. Means what? It means ah, legally, yeah, technically. Uh, it's technicalities. Technically, I'm there. So technically, I'm righteous. I don't have to feel it, but I'm righteous. But temporally, I live like a Dickens. It's just an expression. <laughs> it's, it's a family called the Deacons. Anyway, they lived a really bad life. They were from the South in America. Anyway, so the hillbillies I'm talking about. So, suddenly we have, again, can you see this? One dimensional truth. Well, it's the same that we're going to see about the law. And it's the same that we're going to see about the lordship of Jesus. Okay, if you've got paper and pen, write what the law is all about. Because we need to know about the law. What actually is the law? like my little papers? <laughs> okay. I don't think I need this. It's okay. I don't think I need this. Because there's people. Okay, do you understand? See, I'm always that side. So. Great. Now. When we talk about law, these are just things that, you know, I was just meditating and thinking about. Because law, um, in the Greek, which is the word nomos, it's a, what an interesting word. Eh? Now, you've heard, and, and we've said that, that the word law means God's commands or God's prescriptions, if you want to call it. But we, we, we stop there. For what though? For an abundant life. Nobody looks at the law as a prescription for an abundant life. Jesus and the apostles referred to this specific law when they spoke of it in a positive way. So there is a way that I can speak about the law which is positive and works for me. 
Now, the Jewish commands that try to interpret what God said, the Jews, when they came out of Babylon, they developed what they call fence laws. In other words, they were so, so scared. Because now remember, they went 70 years into captivity. And they didn't allow the land, it was because of a law, a specific, you didn't allow the land to, to rest. But now 70 years is going to cost me. This is painful. This is really sore. 70 years is a very long time. You know, So now what they did while they were in Babylon and they were going to come out and Daniel, obviously the prophet saw exactly that they were going to come out and, and he, he was reading the book of Jeremiah and he says, hold on, this is the time now. We, we're going to get out of here. The priests in Babylon, what they did is they helped people to develop what they call fence laws. In other words, little laws before you break the law. So let me get a few warnings <laughs> before I break the law. Because I'm not interested in another 70 years here. You know, in the, in the next two, three hundred years. So they develop fence laws. Now you know when Jesus was saying, you have heard it said. But I say unto you, he was going back to the law of Moses. Okay? So the Jewish commands that try to interpret what God said, they try to interpret also through those laws what God said, it landed up in dead works. I mean, you all know there's dead works and good works, am I right? Good works is what I produce based on what Jesus has done. Dead works are the things that I do, which are good works externally, but the more I do them, they separate me more from the life of God. That's why it's dead, it's separation. That's why you get so many believers and so many Christians who are so far away from God. I was one of them. Reading the word, praying, but because of the, my wrong motives and your wrong motives and whoever's doing it, it separates you more, alienates you more from the life of God. And that's what they did. So, Jesus and the apostles referred to when they spoke of the law in a negative way towards them, the way the Jews, the Pharisees were treating it. And the word law, so I've given you two things now. You can see it positively, you can see it negatively. Is when also we as believers are using God's commands to qualify ourselves from, for blessings or to disqualify ourselves from blessings. That's how the word law, I'm, I'm just giving you how it was used by Jesus, how it was used by the Jews, and especially for us in the new covenant. Now, 
there is a difference between the word law and the law. When you go and you read the book of Romans, a lot of the times you will see, and that if you, if you don't know that, man, it's very confusing. You can't see it in the English at all. In the Greek, it comes out very clearly. I don't think they try to give us misinformation. It's just the way that it was worded. In the Greek, I think it was a bit more difficult to explain it. Now, when it uses the word the law, it's talking specifically about the law of Moses, which was given directly by God. When he talks about law without a definite article, like the, for example, it means about a realm of legalism. Now, in the additional laws that were given by the Jews, they were given in such a way that were burdening people, and they, the Jews, begin to put their trust in the laws instead of God. Those laws that I told you, the fence laws that they were developed. So if, you, if you're keeping them most of the time before you reach it, then it becomes part of you and it becomes your normal. So you think now that those traditions were actually the law that God wanted you to use. So what were those laws? Well, it was the Hammurabi Code, which they adopted from the Babylonians. And now all of those fence laws, we find them in the Talmud, and the Mizdrach and a few others. That's what they had brought to themselves. The Bible also talks about, when he talks about law, you gotta, you got to look at it because it, when he uses the word law, there's a lot of the times that he uses the word as a governing principle. In other words, when I say governing principle, I'm, I mean that specific law has governing inherent innate powers in and of itself so that when you yield to it, this thing works. That's why it's so difficult for people when they read Matthew 11 where he says that people of force, they force themselves to take the kingdom by force. But he's talking about a specific governing law. You don't force yourself into the kingdom, you inherit the kingdom. Big difference. So we have laws as, as governing principles. We have, as they call it, the law of faith. The law of faith simply believes how God created the universe 
And, and all of these laws that I'm talking about, this governing principles come sp specifically from that specific point when God created the universe. And how he created in, you've got to see it according to the scripture in the book of Genesis. You've got to believe it. It's a 24-hour. And it's a seven-day. If you don't believe that, if you don't start from them, that you will never be able to understand creation. Actually, this is why we don't understand uh, miracles. Do you know, I don't, do you know there's no such a word as supernatural in the Bible? Where do you guys get it from? Where do people get the word supernatural? It doesn't exist. There's not one scripture in the Bible that tells you something is supernatural. And when he uses the word miracle that we have seen it here, it's actually the word power. You go and you have a look where he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God has given, a, uh, given us, uh, you know, those, um, the gifts of the Spirit or the graces the empowerments of the Spirit or the expressions of the Spirit. One of them, it says, gifts of miracles. You go in the Greek, it's not a miracle. It's actually the word power. So God gives you the ability, and this is why it's important to see it as a 24-hour, because then you'll understand the process of how a miracle actually, the word dunamis works. It's because... The word miracle works because of your identity. Yeah. A miracle be, works because of your identity. Let's say we have a tree and there's something wrong that has gone with the tree. The tree has never lost its inherent power. All of its powers to produce is there. All it does is experiences a blockage in some way or another. Now, because you believe you're in authority over the tree, not other people, over the tree, what do you do? You begin to go into your heart to see how the tree used to function and operate When you see it in your heart, you are responsible now, once you've seen it, to either to speak to it or just even think it and see it with fruit. And the miracle takes place, what they call. Because what did you do? You didn't do anything. You just activated its own powers that God created. Hey, listen, don't, don't listen to those guys with those rubbish. Ah, in heaven, you're going to get there one day, and you know God is going to say, come, there's a room here. Yeah, let's go to this room. Open the room, warehouse, legs, eyes, uh, hands, this, that, the other. And uh, you look at them, okay, so what's the story here? Well, you didn't ask for them. Here they are. Nobody asked them. I would have taken the hand and, you know, given it to them. And they saw it in a vision. Eh? God took them, then they saw it. I wonder what they saw. Listen, 
within you right now, just like a salamander. You cut a salamander, do you know that it has the ability to be able to grow its limbs again? Do you know if you cut your hand here, your hand can grow back? Because how can it grow back, you say? Well, because the energetic body is still there. Do you know when they take out your, your liver, your appendix, you know your appendix is still there, but it's on an energetic level. It's never left. You can grow another appendix. Well, yeah. The doctor didn't tell me that. Yeah, I didn't tell you that about vaccines either. <laughs> hey? Let's not get into that, eh? <laughs> All right. You see, once you see in your heart, because you got the authority, but you see, to see something in your heart, you need to have an identity. Because your heart will never allow you to see if you don't have a good sense of self-worth. To the level you develop your self-worth, you will experience your identity. And that gives you the confidence. That, that. Not the miracle. The miracles, forget about the miracle. That gives me the confidence to hold on to the image until it becomes real in me. Once it becomes real, I will speak it or I will just think it and it will happen. Because that's the authority that God has given us. Okay, I know that's got nothing to do with law and Lord, but <laughs> we're there somewhere. <laughs> Take it from me. Cheers. I'm allowed to have coffee. You guys are sitting. Am I right? Thank you. So, man, don't ask me to repeat that. I don't even know how to repeat this. <laughs> You're asking me the impossible. Rewind, please. <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying. All I'm saying is, everything that God has created has already inherent powers to be what God has made it to be and to function what God has made it to function. But because of the sin principle that obviously we live here and man has brought in, we begin to see nature things that are not in harmony. That's all I'm trying to say with the way God created it. So because you in authority, and I'm representing God here, I'm supposed to use, and we'll get into it, the keys of the kingdom, which is what? Binding something that is not, uh, that is, that is not as real in heaven or truth in heaven, and loosing something that is loosed in heaven. How, how is it loosed in heaven? The way it was created. That's all. The way it was designed to function. If I don't see it functioning that way, guess who's responsible? I am. Not other people. I'm talking about nature here. 
with people, I need to have the cooperation. You know, Jesus didn't just wake up every morning. You know, this is the idea we had. Okay, let's go. Guys, who are we going to find here? Come, you. Uh, this whole city, okay? Let's, let's heal them all. Because that's what we read. We don't read the phases, we read the end result. Because that's what's recorded. I mean, he prepared his heart. He knew where to go, when to go. The timing was important. I mean, look at Lazarus. He waited three days. I mean, do you know that when you look at Jesus, I mean, where do we get where we pray for people? Come on, man. Jesus never did that. He spoke. Where do you see Jesus praying for people? Even with Lazarus, he turns around and says, listen, I'm going to do this prayer with you because of them. We, we, we know what's supposed to happen here. But because of them. That's the way they understand prayer. So let me do it this way so they can pick up what's going on. But Jesus never prayed. He didn't go in the name of the Father. Hallelujah. Where do you see all that? Hey? And we accept all that rubbish. Jesus operated in his authority. Is it yes to you or is it no to you? That's it. When you're a mechanic, when you, whatever you're doing in your business, you know exactly, you've learned what needs to happen. If you know what needs to happen, well, guess what? You go and you do it. Do, what, what, what do you need to pray for? For what? So we've over-spiritualized things, which means we made them mystical. You know what mystical means? Mystical means between where I see Christ in me and where this thing is going to happen, naturally, there is this gap called mystical. We, we've got no idea how this thing works. That's what mystical is. So what do we do? We're going to pray about it. So that somehow God's hand is going to bring the result there. We don't know how it's going to happen. You know? But we do know that God's hand is going to move. So let's bring as many people as possible. Let's cry out loud, harder, louder, whatever it is. Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And somehow... Yeah, we think we're giving God the power. Oh, come on, come on, do it. Well, that's the concept that we have. That's the concept. Can't be just me thinking like that. <laughs> okay? God has called us to believe, number one, that God created everything in 24 hours. In seven days. Six days, seventh he rested. Number two. And that's, thank God I went into that. Number two. That's lordship here. We haven't even. Okay, we're finishing. <laughs> so, number two. God created man in his image and likeness. 
That's it. If he's sovereign, I'm sovereign. I can take decisions. That's what sovereign means. I decide. And number three, God gave us dominion over planet earth. So why are you playing to get God to do something? Hey, Why? The Holy Spirit lives in me. He's going to give me the exact timing when something needs to happen. He's empowered me when in my heart I believe who God says I am. And he gives me, over temptation, one of his names. Which name? <laughs> Jehovah Nisi. He has given victory over my temptation because he himself conquered it. Not only did he conquer it, you know what he did? He says, come over here, my son and my daughter. Come and live in me because I am life. So notice what he does. Not only does he put away what we believe is life, what we believe is pleasure, but he gives me another life to come and experience in him, and he produces pleasure. So that's when I leave my darkness and I get into the light. I live, you see, that's another one. Leave, live, leave. I leave, <laughs> let it go, in other words, the realm where I experience pleasures in the flesh because they become addictive. Hey, addictive, substitutes, substitutes, <laughs> substitutes, hey, because if I'm not feeling well, I don't go back to my heart to reconnect to God. I go for a good steak. Yeah. I'm not speaking to you. Okay. Hey? When I'm feeling that aching feeling of loneliness, what do I stuff myself with? Hey? Why not at that moment go and reconnect with God? Why? You know why? Because people love darkness. Oh, no, I didn't say it. <laughs> Don't look at me. He said it. <laughs> he says, people love darkness. And when the light comes, that's including believers, eh? Don't think it's not believers either. Oh, we're not talking about the Pharisees down there. No, no, no. Talking about us. We've trained ourselves in our five senses so much that unfortunately, when God is calling us to connect with him, we can't. Because we don't believe he's really, come on. You don't have a body, God. What do you know about life? I've got a body. I've experienced things. 
Hey? God, he says, come out from among them, among your darkness, and be ye separate, says the Lord. I was talking to someone, because I hate my industry. I detest it, actually. Yeah, I do. Because the industry, especially in the food, <clears throat> is how to get you back. Every, do you know that every restaurant, every fast food, they want to get you back and make your patron. So, they will use any chemicals. They will use anything to be able to make it tasty for you. That's the competition. What do you think? There's the difference between Nando's and chicken lick and whatever. The one is fried and grilled. Those are all deceptions. It's like when you get into the political parties. Ah, this and this one. They're the all one. It's, it's the illusion of choice. You don't have a choice. Come on, guys. It's an illusion. EFF, DA, and ANC, they're all the same. Just different aspects of the same coin. Do you think if DA goes up, they're not going to be corrupt, eh? <laughs> okay. Anyway, so... What I'm saying is, when we look at things externally to find life, you're a slave. You've been taken a long time. You're taken. Anything that you look externally makes you a slave. Anything that you, what did we sing? That you look internally, the name brings me hope. Okay? The name. Can't find the name out there. It's in you. That gives me life. 